Welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined by Joe Chung from As the Joe Flies and Disney Deciphered. Joe, it's good to have you back. If people haven't listened the last couple of weeks, we had a couple of great episodes. Ryan Smith a couple of weeks ago talking about visiting every single country in the world. That was a really fun episode. And then last week, Mark came back and joined Ian Snyder and I. Ian talked about his crazy experience in Hawaii where he fell a thousand feet off of a trail and survived three days in the wilderness out there on Oahu. So both those were great episodes, Joe. I hope you listened to them. If you didn't, I hope everybody out there did and check them out. Yeah, everyone should listen. I apologize that boring old me is back. Nothing too interesting happening. I must say, though, Mark, I know you're not listening, but is nothing sacred, man. Just just the most Mark-type reactions as possible to a friend near-death experience. I love how I get off scot-free for, for that. But yeah, Mark wanted to co-host that show, and so he came on and you knew his intentions were always to to make fun of Ian, but we're good friends, and Ian was a great sport, and I loved the way he was able to kind of make light of, you know, what was a crazy situation and very, almost very tragic, and obviously he came away much better than other people might have, and it was just a, a crazy situation, so I was happy to see him come on here and laugh about it a little bit, even if we had to deal with the eye patch. Indeed, indeed. Should have done that one on video. Yeah, Exactly. But yeah, what were you up to? It's been a little while since we chatted, and I know you've had a lot going on. Yes. So let's start with the bad news. So I would say three or four weeks ago, Sean was like, oh, I'm so jealous. Like, you're going on the icon of the seas, Royal Caribbean's newest ship for anyone who has watched the NFL at any point over these playoffs, whether it to be watch actual football or to be a hater of Taylor Swift for no reason, they are constantly showing this Icon of the Seas commercial. It's like on all the time, looks six water slides, biggest ship in the world, cutting edge. I was supposed to go on a three-night preview cruise with my son. Sean, COVID had other plans. You know this already, but I just wanted to tell people, unfortunately, I will not be getting to share about that because we got sick. And it was one of those situations where I got sick on Saturday. So technically, like my five days were over two days before I was going to go and I canceled just kind of out of an abundance of caution thing. And I'm just, I'm just sharing this to share kind of the real things that people like you and me, quote unquote, travel people think about. So I canceled and on Friday, the day before I was supposed to go, I was like, Oh, like this sucks. You know, I'm negative. I would have been fine. Blah, blah, blah. Well, Sean, I don't know what's going on with this current round of COVID because now, a couple of weeks later, I have a lot of friends who've gone through the same thing. For some reason, day six killed me. Like I woke up Saturday morning feeling bad, and like Saturday, Sunday, Monday were the worst I felt. So that would have been day like seven, eight, nine, or eight, nine, ten, whatever. So I would have felt horrible on the cruise, and I wouldn't say it's a silver lining that I felt horrible, but but at least like I missed the trip, and it was like I'm glad I stayed home because I would have just been completely miserable, no matter how nice that ship is. Yeah, I think you made the right choice, even though I know that had to be difficult wanting to see this kind of new product. And Royal Caribbean has pushed the cruise industry forward, I don't know, for probably the last 25, 30 years when it comes to their new ships. And this is the next sort of generation of that. And it does look incredible. The prices are insane for it. So there's a huge amount of demand, it seems. And as you said, they're advertising it all over not only the NFL. I see it all over like YouTube ads all the time. And 
everywhere else. So there's a huge push for this ship. Are you going to have a chance to get on it now? I mean, you're going to have to pay for a cruise to get on it, or is there a way you can make up your preview cruise? I mean, I got to find $15,000 somewhere. So I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, although my son and I are talking about it. I mean, I really... Honestly, I feel the worst for my son. You know, we've talked about this before. Um, I was really looking forward to having a trip with just him. He's been excited about this ship for a year. He got sick too, as well. Not that, so I wasn't going to send him by himself or anything. But even if I was going to, he got sick as well. And so the poor kid, like every time this commercial comes on, he like leaves the room. And, you know, when everything's, you know, he's still, he's still sad about the whole thing two weeks later as an adult i'm trying to be mature about it and yeah i did have fomo it seems like there was a ton of travelmation agents on there and it seems like they had a lot of fun i think the thing i was looking most forward to was it's a capacity of like eight thousand people which is insane to me and i think there was only four to five thousand people on the ship so i was looking forward to like checking it out when it was not realistic which of course you know that's that's why they get travel agents and influencers all excited about it, right? Because they don't get the real experience. So when I finally, or if I ever get to go on either the Icon or the next one in that class that's coming out in a year or two, I'll get to have the real experience. But it's all seven-night cruises, and it's super expensive, like 15000 plus for it's dis- – you said this on the episode when we talked about the Icon. It's like Disney Cruise Line prices, which is not something that I thought I would see from other cruise lines. The Utopia of the Seas, though, which is the newest Oasis class, I think, if I'm correct, is coming out this summer. Those are doing three- and four-night sailing, so a lot cheaper just because they're three- and four-night sailings and also because – it's not the new hotness. So I might try to sneak on to one of those. That, that'd be much more doable and feasible for the schedule. So have you been on an Oasis class? No, it's like been on my list forever. And Oasis class, for people who don't know, is the largest class of ship in the world currently. It's being replaced by Icon as the largest. But it is... Icon these are, be, so it's over. I think yeah. It's over. I think. So yeah, it's no longer. But there's like, I think, eight Oasis class ships now. And so there's a ton of them. And that means that those prices are probably going to come down for those because those were their sort of newest best ships and especially some of the older oasis classes like oasis of the seas and allure of the seas they sort of date back what 15 years at this point so yeah there are more deals with that and those are still incredible ships that are huge and have so much to do huge amounts of activities they're like cities on the water like really i mean they've said that cruise ships are cities on the water for a long time but when you see these ships it really is true. Like if you're ever parked next to an Oasis class or at this point, Icon of the Seas, you'll see that they're like a different scale compared to a normal cruise ship. And you get all those activities, you get a lot more to do, but you also get a lot more people. Like you said, 8,000 people on the sea. I think that would be a nightmare for some people out there. Definitely a bit of a nightmare for me. They say that, you know, like on the Icon and, and on the Oasis, there's like enough to do that you can spread all the people out. I going to have to see that with my own two eyes to believe it. Same thing with a uh, perfect day at Coco Cay, you know, supposed to be able to take two ships worth of people, but you know, that's a ton of people. So even, even the 4,000 person cruise ships feels like a lot for me. So we'll see what it's like, but you know, this industry, the cruise industry just seems to be going further and further. Like they're just packing more people in, packing more stuff in, pushing the boundaries. And then, of course, with all these status matches, people are getting free embassy cruises, carnival cruises. It's getting more 
you know, there's more interest in it in the miles and points world than there was in the past, as well as we've talked about many times on this podcast. It's an interesting thing to see how the cruise industry has matured from, you know, being a lot of older people sailing on these smaller ships. And over the last, you know, 20, 30 years, it's just bigger ship after bigger ship. And Royal Caribbean really has been the driver of that. Other cruise lines like Carnival and their parent company, they have the Excel class, which would be the Mardi Gras. But those just started coming online a few years ago. And those are still, I would say the Mardi Gras is about, just off the top of my head, about two thirds the size of Icon of the Seas. So they're really pushing it out there. And it's good to see the carnival match. Did I talk about how I got my son an offer for the carnival match after like I had submitted it a year, year and a half ago? I don't know if I talked about it on the show. If I did, I apologize. But it's long been known if you go in and you don't get an offer after submitting it, if you fill out your profile completely, that sometimes you'll get sent an offer. And I had done that a while ago, but I had missed the salutation, the mister in front of his name. That little box was not filled in. So when I went back in about a month ago or something, I was you know checking it and I put that box in. And then a couple of days later, he got his free cruise offer. And this match I probably did for him a year and a half, two years ago. I don't know. It was a long time ago. So if you, I guess if you're still one of those people who never got your offer or never got an offer, make sure that literally the salutation, Mr., Mrs., whatever is filled in, plus every single other thing. It's not as good as the offers from a couple of years ago. They're, it's a little limited, maybe half their sailings, not every single sailing, but that's still around. And yeah, there's still some opportunity in the miles and points space for cruises. Not as good as it was, man. Those COVID days, there were so many opportunities. And I can't believe I did six carnival cruises in a year. But I'm glad I did it because I'm not going to be able to do it again. And, you know, it was an interesting opportunity in time and place. Should have bought Royal Stock, too, during the pandemic. I think it's up quite a bit. I had a couple of other little things to share. So I did not make my Icon of the Seas trip. I did, however, make my trip the next weekend to Orlando for Travelmation's annual retreat. I was only there for about half of it. Had to present an award, had to go to a couple of dinners and stuff like that. Since I had been asking for advice on the podcast, I wanted to update people a little bit about just my experience with some of the products people recommended. So Sean, you and I had talked about Flighty, but I don't have an iPhone. And then people suggested using TripIt Pro instead. So I tried TripIt Pro. Uh, It was fine. I don't know if I would have, like, I would say that I was, I could not hear the, you know, if I'm, if it's user error, please tell me what I did wrong. I really wanted to use TripIt Pro to tell me where my incoming flight was coming from and what, like, what flight it was, like, what tail number it was. Um, that did not give me that. So I was a little disappointed by that. And then it gave me like gate notifications. I did not get a notification that my flight was boarding. I don't know if that's something that it does, but I didn't get that. And nothing went wrong. So really, all I got from TripIt Pro was and I'm on like a 60 day trial right now and I'm going to be flying again, you know, we're going to be flying to Asia in a couple of weeks. So I think that's where it's going to get its real test, but I didn't get any alerts except for where the baggage claim was, which obviously I could have done myself or, you know, just listened to the announcement. So I mean, does Flighty give you more? They sent me a map of the airport too, but you know, I know both of these airports like the back of my hand. But does Flighty gives you more push notifications that you feel like are useful or was my flight just too clean? Like nothing was delayed. Nothing, you know, nothing, like nothing went wrong with either of my flights. So. Yeah. I've only used it one time, like the full features of it. 
for a flight because I just haven't been on airplanes that much. But it shows you in the dynamic island on the iPhone everything about it. So it's showing you when boarding. There's a countdown there. It has directions to your gates. It basically has everything, and it's displaying it in the dynamic island, which is really neat, and your notifications. So every basic thing that you would want from you know, live boarding times to, like you said, baggage claim to maps of the terminals to directions on how to walk from where you are to where your gate is, just every single thing you could possibly imagine. I'm sure there's things that you can't, there's that aren't in there, but yeah, I, I thought it was great. And it seems like it does a lot more than what TripIt Pro was doing for you. Yeah. So we'll see in Asia whether TripIt Pro does better. We have a couple connections to deal with, stuff like that. So I will give the grade of incomplete uh, TripIt Pro for now. However, Clinton from the MTM Diamond Slack suggested to me, and I'm not sure if others did, but he was the first to. I had been talking about how I needed to like bring nice outfits down to Florida for these various things that I went to. Oh, Sean, I had to go shopping and buy like it was horrible, horrible. Let me tell you, as I sit here in my sweatshirt and sweatpants recording with you. Don't you still have your suit so. from last time? Well, I needed two freaking outfits, Sean. It was so. I don't, don't get me started. Okay. So I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, how am I going to get these clothes down there? Clinton, thank you so much for the suggestion. Suggested half day travel. It's a company and they make this thing called the garment duffel, which is good for three, three and a half days of travel. Yes. This thing, I wouldn't say that my suit and my other blazer and shirt that I brought came out perfectly, but they came out pretty nice. The way it works is you put it down like a garment bag. You put your nice clothes in. And then you kind of half, and it's tough to imagine, but you half close it and start zipping it. And then that creates like a pocket. So it's like almost like a triangle, if you can imagine it. You can put your clothes all in there. And then you fold the other half on. And then it's basically like a duffel bag. And so it's duffel bag sized. It fit perfectly in the carry-on. Not like not horizontally. I could put it in vertically, right? So the, the take-up less width way and so it you there's even a pocket for shoes so i brought my nice shoes and a pair of flip-flops put them in the shoe pocket that kind of folds into the triangle so it's like all set up to like have the right shape and the only kind of issue i had and it's not even really an issue but the only time i noticed that it was a little different is when i was actually zipping it up when i went over the top of my hanger which was a little thick i could feel it so i kind of had to like force it over that but other than that this thing was perfect to is perfect for what I needed. I was down there for three days. I needed some nice clothes and I needed a bunch of shorts to walk around Disney World with. And so half day travel, it was only $98, which, you know, at this point in my life is cheap for luggage that is useful and that it feels like pretty sturdy. Obviously, I've only used it once right now, but half day travel again. Thank you, Clinton, for the recommendation. It was perfect. So no wrinkles. Everything came out good on the other side. Yeah, I had one wrinkle on my jacket, I noticed. So I think if I had been more careful about laying everything down flatter, it would have been better. But, uh, you know, one little wrinkle on my jacket. I brought one of my shirts I brought wrinkly, and I was planning to iron it there anyway. And so that was fine. So, yeah, it, it worked out really well. It's it's Conceptually, it's just like a garment bag, except for instead of folding it in half, you fold it into thirds. And so it doesn't make a huge difference. The great thing, though, is that you can fit all these clothes in there and the shoes as well. So I don't have to worry about any of that. Oh, my gosh, Sean, though. They gave me a welcome mat, like a rug, to bring home. And I was like, if TSA tries to take this away from me, because that gave me like a third bag to bring in, because I had my backpack, I had this duffel bag, and then I had like a shopping bag with a friggin' 
floor mat. Welcome mat sticking out of it. And uh, I was like, if TSA or JetBlue says I can't bring this, I'm just leaving this. I'm leaving this in Orlando. But TSA was like, what, you got a little rug there? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. And and she was like, nice. And then she let me through. So it was fine. What does the rug say? Agent of the year, previous agent of the year. What does it say? It says welcome home travelmation. It's like a travelmation themed mat. I think they gave it to I don't know if they gave it to the top 20 agents of the year or maybe a little bit wider variety of that. But uh, yeah, anyway, yay. So it's not for the peon agents. It's just for the uh, for the top echelon. Yes, I guess. I guess you could say that. So I'm sorry. I'm getting you in trouble here. Are you going to put it outside your front door? That's the big question. Are you going to do it so every day you come home and it says, welcome home, travelmation with an M? Just put it on the inside of our front door. And I was like, I think these mats are supposed to go outside. So we're going to have to work that out. But I guess like in the winter you know, we can leave our stuff there to kind of soak through. But yeah, that was fine. I got one more thing, Sean, if I if you can indulge me, and this might be info that is actually useful to people. All right, let's do it. Okay, so I am a travel agent. I had a client who lives in Canada. And so she booked a Viking cruise, but then she had to cancel it. But she was like within, I mean, it was like a $100 penalty. It wasn't a big deal or anything like that. So she had to cancel the cruise. And then, Sean, like, I kid you not, like, I felt like I was going to throw up. She called me a couple weeks after the refund, and she was like, I got refunded $700 less than what I paid. And I felt, like, sick to my stomach because, you know, I never want to lose clients' money. And I was like, what the heck happened? Did I screw up or whatever? I came to find out when she booked the cruise, the – Canada to U.S. currency exchange was a certain amount. When she refunded, the Canada to U.S. exchange was another amount, and she lost $700 in that exchange. And before you say, like, oh, oh, like, that seems like a lot of money to lose on an exchange, this was like a $7,000 cruise because it's Viking. You know, Viking is very fancy, either river cruises or they do Iceland and stuff like that. Joseph Chung at Travelmation.net, shameless plug. But, uh, you know, it's a very expensive cruise. And she lost $700, Sean. I I don't know, like, I feel like I've been burned by exchange rate changes before, but not to to that extent. I mean, we travel a lot internationally. Like, do you remember ever, like, returning something or losing money or even gaining money? Like, you could earn money sometimes on a return. I've had it happen. I can't remember the specific scenario, but just a couple dollars. But I do remember seeing it, and it is an unfortunate reality of buying things in other currencies that people don't think about. But it makes perfect sense. The currency is different, and you know they're going to calculate it based on the minute that you do the transaction. But yeah, that's a huge shift. So but about 10% change in the currency. How many months or how long was in between the time she booked and canceled? Dude, that was the crazy thing. It was three weeks. So she... Booked it like December 10th-ish, and then we canceled it either late December or like early January. So I felt sick, but Sean, this is this is what I do. Like I, I felt so sick about it. I spent like 45 minutes combing the depths of the dark web to see, you know, what people have happened before. Not actually the dark web, mostly Reddit, Sean. <laughs> So same yeah, thing. it could be the dark web same, sometimes. Yeah. Same thing, same thing. And I found a couple of instances and one article written by one Gary Leff from View from the Wing. So I need to thank him for putting that article out there. 
it didn't happen to him, but it was a guy who wrote into him who said this exact same thing happened to him. He booked like a homestay in Europe or something like that, canceled it. The euro had changed at that point, and he lost like a couple hundred dollars off of that. And that guy said he called to Chase in America, Chase in America, and because he's an American. And Chase was like, you know what? We actually just – I don't know if they said they have a department to handle this or like a fund that they have to handle this. But basically, Chase was like, yeah, we eat the, we'll eat this for you and make you whole and refunded him fully. So I found that. I found a couple other examples on the dark web or Reddit. And so I called my client back in Canada, and I was like, what bank – did you charge? And she's like, TD Bank. And I was like, okay, you know what? TD Bank, that's a pretty big bank. If Chase does it in America, I think there's a really good chance that TD Bank will do that in Canada. And so she called TD Bank. And yes, indeed, they made her whole. They gave her the extra $700 back. I felt so relieved. You know, it was and it's crazy. I don't know. This is like, Sean, I know you're a little bit like this too. Like, I didn't necessarily, I didn't do anything wrong, right? She said, book this cruise. She said, cancel this cruise. I did that. You know, but I just felt so bad that she had lost so much money. And so I just felt so relieved that TD Bank made her whole. And I thought, you know, it's good for people to know. I know that people like to book Airbnbs or various things, or sometimes you make big purchases overseas and then, you know, you need to return them or whatever. Or like, if this happens to you, always call the bank. Worst they can do is say no, but the best they can do is make you whole. So, I mean, shout out, you know, big banks, we're not the biggest fan. You know, there's a lot of negativity, but shout out to both Chase and TD Bank for making these people whole because obviously they don't have to do it. The exchange rate is the exchange rate. So it's it's good to see, you know, banks kind of being nice to their customers. Damn it with faith praise. <laughs> that is nuts and it's good to hear that they did that i wonder like is the bank eating the money because they did pay out at one exchange rate they're getting it back at another it seems like the bank would lose the money in that scenario yeah i think the bank has to be eating the money and it's just a rounding error for them for customer service right like you know i i mean look at us like right now i'm like complimenting chase and td bank for the good customer service and i'm not even the one who got a couple hundred dollars back. Imagine if you or I were the one to get a hundred, couple hundred dollars back. We would just be like, we'd be like loyal to Chase and TD Bank for much longer than we would normally, right? So I, I think when it comes to, you know, it'd be interesting to see, actually $700 is already a lot of money, but for a multi-billion dollar bank, it is still a rounding error. So, I mean, it makes sense if you think about it from the customer service angle that they made it whole, but it would also make sense, you know, if they were like, I mean, the exchange rate is the exchange rate because that is true, right? Like these banks did not need to do it for either my client or for the person in or the people that I saw it happen to. And it's funny when you read it, like a lot of Reddit was like, no, you're screwed. That is what it is. Like if you got money, if you got extra money back from the bank, you wouldn't give it back to them, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I think all that stuff is true, but at least we have two data points where the bank made it whole when the customer was out of money. I think the craziest thing, if I remember this right, the Hampton Inn in Mexico City, they quoted my reservation in pesos. And then when I was checking out, they were 
trying to charge me in dollars and then convert it back into pesos. So then they hit me on the exchange rate, converting it to dollars from my original reservation. And then I think they were, I think I said I wanted to pay in pesos because that's the local currency. Usually you never get the conversion to dollars. You're just paying in the, and so they were running it up there and I'm like, well, why is it different? And they're like, well, it was this many dollars. I'm like, no, I have the the pesos right here. Just charge me this many pesos. And they're like, no, it's dollars because our system, I'm like, oh my God. I think I ended up losing. It wasn't worth the fight. It was a couple bucks in exchange and they couldn't figure it out. And I just let it go. And I, I just paid in the dollars. I didn't let them exchange it back to pesos, but it's always weird with that. And, you know, I think probably most of the time people, if they do lose, it's a couple bucks. So this is extreme, but yeah, good to see. And she's probably a good customer there, as I imagine. And, uh, you know, she's buying $7,000 cruises. So I can imagine probably a good customer. So the one they want to yeah, keep. She doesn't have $0 in there. I'm pretty sure if, yeah, she's buying those kind of cruises. Yeah. The other thing was, you know, and this probably is not a surprise to people who know Viking. She was an older client. So I just wonder like how many of our parents or grandparents or just like, you know, older people end up just like losing the money because there's like no one to advocate for them. So it's just kind of a reminder to look out for your, for your parents, the older people in your life. You know, there, there are always exhaust every avenue before you kind of give up when you end up in one of these situations. And, and I'm glad that she got made whole for sure. And one of the reasons why when considering cruises specifically, travel agents can be great, not to give Joe more plugs, but just using a travel agent, it doesn't cost you anything on the cruise industry. So that you're paying the same price, basically. Sometimes you can get even more perks, but you have somebody kind of advocating for you and somebody who can you deal with the cruise line and all your requests and it does make it easier and it's very interesting how in this day and age you know we thought travel agents were going to go away but they are very much thriving in very specific areas and that's going to keep going so you know hopefully joe gets more chances to go on free cruises like icon of the seas and to get suits and dress up and go all fancy to orlando and get floor mats so it's all worth it joe man this has been a cool ride for you yeah the floor mat really Put everything over the top, Sean. I mean, I was like questioning whether I should have started doing this, but really, when I got the floor mat, I was like, I mean, it is a it is a nice floor mat. All all, all things being considered, actually, they also gave me like a very small Yeti tumbler, and Jess kind of does not like all the Travelmation branding and all the stuff that I got, so she stole that immediately. So that's how cool she thought that little tumbler was. You know, it's 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 like a kid sized tumbler, but she's a tiny Chinese woman. So she thought it was perfect for her. So she stole that. So they're even, they're even starting to incept Jess and brainwash her as well. So, you know, we're all drinking the Kool-Aid over here. A little alcohol wipe and she can get rid of that Travelmation branding just fine. <laughs> just wipe it off and it'll look just like a regular Yeti. Actually, you say that it's kind of crazy. We were like cleaning our stove. And so I was using steel wool and like a steam cleaner and like we took off all the writing so it's no longer a bosch stove it's a bow stove so yeah be careful when you're doing these heavy cleans <laughs> nice so a couple of updates for me i believe i didn't do a complete update on my spring break trip just to say i was able to find premium economy space back on air tahiti nui i don't think i talked about it on the show if i did I apologize, but originally we were going to be in economy back on air Tahiti Nui too. And then I found a flight through Seattle, which was only 40K American for premium economy compared to 30K for economy. So a no brainer there. And it works out. The trip will be exactly for the spring break time. No missed school days, a couple days in Disneyland Paris. I'll get to spend my birthday in Paris. 
So that will be very nice. And uh, a couple of days in Lisbon as well. So I'm really looking forward to that. And it's fun how it all came together. We're flying business class on the way there, American, LA to London, and then British Airways London to Lisbon. So it all worked out great. And even Disneyland Paris tickets are on the thank you portal. I don't know if it really benefits me to buy them through the thank you portal at one cent each, but it was good to see that you could get Disney tickets on there when it hasn't always been the case. Can you redeem your thank you points for it? Yeah, you can redeem them at one cent a piece. Yeah, Yeah. so, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where it's just like, I don't know, I have such trouble using my thank you points, so I I would just use them, just just to use them, even if it's like, I mean, it's I guess it's the same as cashing it out or whatever, but it feels a little bit better. Yeah, the trip came together great, though. The flight from Lisbon to Paris, I looked at points options. I ended up getting a $70 flight on Air France, which was, you know, didn't make sense to redeem points. For that, So that's a, a good timing and everything. The only hotel I don't have secured, I think I'm going to stay on Disney property at Disneyland Paris. I'm negotiating with a friend for some DVC points to do that, maybe trade some Hyatt points. So we'll see how that works out. But I think that's going to happen. On my birthday, I was thinking about the Park Hyatt Paris Vendome. Now, the problem with that property, for people who know, and this is you know a property that's been talked about in the community for a long time, is most of the rooms are only for two people. And I actually talked about this with the Hyatt Regency Lisbon, how I booked for two people, then emailed them and got them to upgrade me with a suite upgrade certificate. Well, there's no suites. There's no standard suites at Vendome, and I'll only be there one night. But it is my birthday, Joe. So I did email my Hyatt concierge to see. So I booked the standard room. Now, this is a Category 8, so it's 40,000 points. And, you know, that's painful enough as it is. But... We'll see if they can kind of negotiate it and get me into an upgraded room so that we can add our daughter to it. I'm not going to show up there with an extra person, but that would be kind of a sweet way to spend my birthday. But, you know, Vendome, that's uh, the old thing that was a Dia came up with, Vendoming. That was the hotel back in the day, the hotness. But nobody, I don't think, talks about it all that much anymore now that it's a Category 8. So I wonder, everybody out there, you know, hit me up on Twitter at Miles to Memories. Let me know if it's worth me spending the 40K to stay there for my birthday. We wouldn't even be able to do the late checkout, which is usually what I want to do when I redeem like that, because we have a flight like at 11 a.m. the next morning. So I don't know. I'm a little twisted, but I'm excited. I'm going to get to climb the Eiffel Tower on my birthday, which will be fun. And it'll be Ellie's first time up there. So this trip, I got all my travel mojo back. I'm really glad because I was really traveled out. For a lot of last year, you know, as, after we got back home. And now I'm feeling excited about a trip, which is, it's exciting to be excited. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. And it is a really nice hotel. And I really enjoyed the breakfast there. And it's really cool with kind of like the French balcony situation that they have. And so I feel like all these Park Hyatts, like I totally get, I mean, this is ancient history at this point. People probably don't even know like what Vendoming meant, but it was a, term that Dia coined saying that basically discussing the idea that Miles and Points bloggers at the time when it was like pretty much only bloggers, there was no TikTok or anything like that at the time, would push, not push, but like sell this, you know, you got to stay in the fanciest hotels with your points thing. And, you know, it would cause normal people to like not make good decisions, which we both totally agreed with at the time. That being said, I feel like Vendoming, it is still nice, especially if you have the points, if it's your birthday. You know, I've talked about the Park Hyatt New York, which is where I used to stay on my birthday, but now that's a Category 8 and I haven't gotten to do it. It's still nice to do that stuff every once in a while. For the most part, we're in miles and points to spend more or less the same amount of money, but 
to get nicer experiences. And, you know, I feel like Park High Vendome for your birthday. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against it, Sean. It does suck that you don't get to check out late, though. That, that, that hurts a little bit. Yeah, I'm hoping that they'll give me a nice room. I mean, I again, I didn't ask for anything special. I just said I booked it for two people. Then I emailed my concierge and said, this was just for one night only. It's my birthday. Is there anything you can do to get me into at least an upgraded room? I'm hoping for a suite, obviously, but there is no standard suite. So that would probably be a hope too much. And I don't expect that. But they do have a deluxe room that's upgraded that does have the ability for three people. So they could just guarantee me into that room and then I would be okay. So we'll see how that works out. But looking forward to that. Joe, back to Orlando, and I think this is worth covering because Epic Universe has been a theme park under construction for a few years. I think they started construction in 2019, actually paused briefly during early COVID, but started construction pretty quickly after that. And I've been personally watching it sort of grow up over the last couple of years. It's actually located right behind the Hyatt Regency Orlando for people who don't know. So you can see it from that hotel, but also there's been some great YouTube updates. I think theme park stop is the best one on YouTube. If you want to see aerials and a real breakdown of this park, but Universal finally unveiled a lot of the details of Epic Universe and why this is going to be a competitor to Disney, not just a competitor. They are building this park on Disney level. Now, I've known that for a while just from watching the aerials and everything, but I think finally everybody out there is going to see that Universal is coming to play with this park and really bring competition to Orlando. And this park is Epic Universe is the name. And basically you have a hub area, which is like this beautiful Victorian park with water running through it. It has space theming, basically. That's sort of the uh, thing. It's called Celestial Park. Very beautiful launch roller coaster, this incredible carousel. But basically, each of the lands off of Celestial Park are going to be worlds unto themselves. There will be a portal that you enter, and then you go into the world. And the four worlds are the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, which is Ministry of Magic. And I think this is going to take the what the French 1920s from the Fantastic Beasts films and mix it with modern Harry Potter. And this looks to be an incredible thing. If you've seen the aerials of this, the... The scale of this land is unlike anything I think that's been built anywhere else ever. Uh, Super Nintendo World is going to make its debut on the East Coast. The one in Hollywood has just the Mario Kart ride. The one in Florida will have the full land, which includes a Yoshi ride as well, and the Donkey Kong coaster. So this is the full Super Nintendo World. Then they have How to Train Your Dragon, Isle Sorry, of Burke. is that the one that is that is that Super Nintendo land like fully? Are those the three rides that are in Osaka? Yeah, Osaka opened with the Mario Kart ride and the Yoshi ride, and this summer the Donkey Kong ride is going to open. So it will actually open, it'll be fully open before Epic Universe opens next year. But yes, this will be the full version that you'll have both in Japan and in Florida. Hollywood doesn't have the space for the full land, so they only have the Mario Kart ride, whereas the other ones have the full thing. And then Dark Universe is a land that's going to have all of the classic Universal monsters, but it's going to have a launched roller coaster and then also a huge dark ride. There's many big dark rides here. These are what you would consider e-ticket attractions if you're Disney fans, but these are sort of over the top, a crazy ride. So there's going to be this dark ride themed around Frankenstein in some way. And then for the kids, there's How to Train Your Dragon, Isle of Burke. This land looks incredible. There's several rides there, another coaster. So I think five coasters altogether, tons of theming. Joe, what do you think when you see the final concept art of Epic Universe? I mean, I think it looks really good. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. I have had clients recently be like, 
Universal is mostly just Harry Potter land. Like it's like, I think a lot of the things, like a lot of the new rides they opened, like there's the Fast and Furious thing, the Jimmy Fallon thing, like a lot of the new things that were not Harry Potter related really haven't been moving the needle for people as much. I feel like Epic Universe, this is going to move the needle. And I know people don't love when we talk about theme parks on here, but like the reality is, New theme parks don't open very often. I think that since Disneyland first opened, there have only been like eight or nine Disney or Universal theme parks opened in the United States or something like that. I heard that on Disney Dish or something, but that's like one per decade. So these are not like this is this is even beyond like Las Vegas building a new hotel or, you know, this is this is like the American dream in New Jersey, Sean which I guess people, okay. some people go to now, but it's still losing a ton of money. That's a joke, by the way. American Dream is also a joke. Although I, apparently my nephew and niece like take skiing lessons there. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. But Epic Universe, I mean, this is a really big deal. And obviously concept art looks great. Concept art is always concept art. But we, like some of these things are already known commodities, like Super Nintendo World, Land, whatever it's called. That's pretty much as much of a slam dunk as it can get. And I, I, I'm really interested in the Dark Universe one. Obviously, Universal is going to dovetail that with their Halloween Horror Nights stuff. But having a whole land, I mean, people have been crying for or crying out for a Disney villains themed land for a long time. And it's cool to see Universal doing it. And, you know, once, you know, one day when Disney works out its stuff with Florida and California, maybe they can build new stuff too. Well, that's the thing. And there are two premier theme park operators in the United States, Disney and Universal. And at this point, if you look at the two parks that Universal has opened, Universal Beijing, and then now they're bringing this park to the U.S., they are building parks that are on par and in some cases exceeding what Disney's doing with their new attractions. And there's just no doubt about that. And while their concept art can be concept art, this park is pretty far along. It's about a year away from opening. And so all the buildings are built. A lot of the theming's already in. And like I said, a huge shout out to Theme Park Stop on YouTube if you want to see what this park looks like. A lot of the paint's already in in certain areas. You can really see that the quality is there. And this is going to really change the landscape. It's going to be a third park for Universal. Disney has four. Universal also has Volcano Bay, which is probably, well, it is the best water park in Orlando, probably the entire country. Universal Resort is there to stay. And when you're planning your next Orlando vacation, I think, you know, people should definitely look at Universal. You're right. They were very screens based on their attractions for a long time. And Comcast really made a decision starting with the Hagrid's Coaster to move away from that. And they added the Velocicoaster. And that's really where they're going away from screen based attractions for the most part. There will still be screens in some of these dark rides. You'll have, you know, one of the rides is supposed to be like the original Harry Potter ride. I think this is the Universal Monsters one where it has that Kuka arm, which you're on. So it will have some screens and physical sets. I believe the Harry Potter ride is going to be very similar to the Spider-Man ride at Islands of Adventure or Transformers at Universal Studios, that sort of technology. So there will be some screen-based attractions mixed with physical sets, but the coasters all look incredible. Um, and then also there's a Helios Grand Hotel, which is this hotel built at the back of the park that looks right into the park. And it, that looks like an incredible addition as well. We don't have anything quite like that in the United States. Tokyo Disney Sea has a hotel built at the front of it. In Disneyland Paris, the Disneyland Paris Hotel built in the front of that park. This is in the back of the park. It has its own private entrance. That also looks incredible. And it'll have a view of their nighttime spectacular, which will be a water fountain show, along with projections on the hotel. 
Yeah, I it's going to be expensive. There's only 500 rooms just to like travel agent nerd out a little bit. So when I'm booking my Disney clients, like often they will spend like a day or two at universal, but I'm always already now I'm like this is with what this is with only universal having two parks. I'm like a universal one day ticket is like $240. Like if you're going to go to Disney, then just come back and go to Universal another time, you know? And so, like, I have clients who I'll book Universal one week, one year, and then book Disney one week, another year. It's going to be the same on the flip side. Like, with three parks next year, Universal, you're definitely going to be able to get four, five, maybe even a week out of, like, if you throw in Volcano Bay and stuff like that. And then I know people are going to be like, hey, can I get a day or two of tickets at Disney? Again, you're spending, like, $200, $300 for a day ticket. And so it's going to be... I think more people are going to take universal only trips and then not even, well, at least with my clients, I, I just tell them not to bother to go to the other park because it's like so much more cost prohibitive just to do a, a day or two, just because the economy is scale. And then the other thing that I'll be interested in seeing is I think that one thing that hasn't been talked about is universal prices have been creeping up. Now, as miles and points people, we can get the Lowe's hotels via find hotels and resorts and get like a little bit of a credit back. And so that kind of dulls the sting a little bit, but this Helios hotel, like that is going to be Disney hotel priced. And you've talked a bunch of times about how Disney hotels are not priced for the quality as they would be like objectively. And so I think it'll be interesting to see if universal starts maybe in a couple years, like after Epic universe has been open for a while, getting some of the backlash that Disney gets about their hotel prices. I mean, cause Disney demand is down. Like they brought their hotel prices down. They, they have a lot of sales running this year. I, I I'd love to, I just, I'm just really excited to see how this whole entire battle plays out with supply and demand and stuff like that. You know, Sean, cause you're a theme park nerd that, I think Magic Kingdom was the only theme park that was above Universal last year. Like normally it's like Magic Kingdom, then Epcot, then Universal, but like Universal was second, right? And so it's going to be really interesting to see how this battle plays out. And it's only good for theme park fans or people who visit Florida because, you know, just Disney's going to have to respond in some way. At the very least, they're going to have to make their parks more interesting with what they already have and like improve their customer service, make it more magical, quote unquote, or whatever. So it's going to be a fun time. There are two other hotels opening right outside the park. The Stella, Stella Nova. Oh my God. Yeah, that's right. That sounds right. Yeah. Stella Nova. Yeah. The Terra Luna. I think Terra Luna is the other one. And they have these, by the way, they have these cool reflective tiles on the outside, but those are Lowe's hotels. All of these are Lowe's hotels. I think Universal will be up to 12 hotels when these all open. So the other final thing I would say is that it is located, like I said, near International Drive, kind of behind the Hyatt Regency, Orlando there. There is an extension of Kirkman Road, which will connect it back to the original Universal Orlando Resort, but it is, what, maybe a mile, mile and a half away from that. So it's a little bit disconnected. They're going to be running shuttles. And yeah, if you're planning your trips for the next year or two, Universal for the little kids, not as good. I would definitely not recommend them compared to Disney. But once your kids get to be like eight or nine years old with all of these sort of attractions, Epic Universe coming online, I would tell people to really look at this as an alternative to Disney, especially if you've been a lot. And Disney does not have anything on the horizon. They have not announced basically anything. There's small things like the redo of the Country Bears and Tiana's Bayou Adventure, the redo of Splash Mountain will open later this year. But beyond that... There is nothing. So when this park debuts, they say 
the previously they had said summer of 2025. The most recent messaging just said 2025. The park looks far along. I wouldn't be surprised if it opens early in the year next year. But once that opens, Disney is going to have to have stuff. And as we know, they have their D23, so they'll probably announce stuff before that. But it's going to take them a few years to build it. I would say go to Universal. Go experience this world-class theme park destination with this park. I've been watching it since the very beginning of construction and excited to finally talk about it because they finally confirmed everything. And one more th- one more shout-out to Alicia Stella from Theme Park Stop. She goes through all the filings and everything. She's been making videos on this park for years, and she nailed all the names of every land, of every ride, of every eatery. Like, like that's why I just can't give enough love to her and the way she's covering it. And if you want to do that, you know, subscribe to her channel and you can watch this park as it progresses towards opening next year, which is always fun. Yeah, I totally agree. She's done an amazing job. And then I would, if you're really interested in this stuff, definitely subscribe to Theme Park Stop. And then with a little sprinkling on the side, follow BioReconstruct on Twitter, online. He... I think it's a he. No one really knows. Yeah, I think it is a he. Takes drone shots. And to what you said, Sean, about like the park being really far along, even for their announcement, they're going to hype up one of these lands at a time. And they started with Celestial Park, which is their kind of hub area. You know, he has definitely identified restaurants along with Theme Park Stop. Like if you kind of cross-reference their data that are basically done that Universal didn't even announce yet. So there's a lot coming there. Just to bring things full circle, my son, he said, like, when I was like, oh, we can go on the icon another time. And he's like, but it won't be shiny and new. And, you know, don't make the same mistake with Epic Universe, you know, everyone. You know, book your Epic Universe trip for 2025 when uh, Universal goes on sale for 2025. You know, you don't want to be like my son and just be disappointed that you couldn't go there when it was shiny and new. And like you said, it's not often that we get a new large-scale theme park. There's some interesting ones announced around the country that are trying to be theme parks in the next couple of years. There's this billionaire building one, I think, in Iowa. We'll see if he actually gets that done. But this doesn't happen very often, and especially not with a top-level player. And who knows when we'll get another one. It's not like either one of these companies has a ton of land around anymore to build another park. Potentially, they could shift in or Anaheim and maybe build a third park instead of Disneyland Ford. But Yeah, this is a thing to go see. And if you have kids, if you like theme parks, I thought it was worth dedicating a segment. We know we talk about Disney and Universal a little bit too much here, but this was from a planning perspective, right, Joe? you got to get your your reservations in now. I won't be staying on property there. I'll probably just stay at the Hyatt Regency Orlando because it's right next door. And, you know, I love that hotel. But, yeah, super excited for this. And I plan to do it. I'm going to get a Universal Annual Pass this year. We're visiting in November. And so I'm going to get an Annual Pass then. And then I figure that's strategic. Hopefully, you know, I'll be able to use that for Epic Universe. We don't really know how all the tickets and stuff will work quite yet. We'll learn probably a few months before opening all of those details. You got me more hyped about it than I than I was. You know, I'm trying to be a stick in the mud Disney fan. But yeah, I mean, it, it does it does look really cool. And I'm, I'm like I said, just repeating myself, but I'm excited to see what it's going to force Disney and to do because that that's how that's how we get we need the airlines to compete with each other so they give us better products. We need the theme parks to compete with each other to give us better products. Yep, and that's all we have to say about that. But I will say, last thing, Joe, I listened to a few Disney podcasts, and every single one of them did an entire episode on Epic Universe this week, and that tells you how Disney this is and how. You know, this is really in that realm and not what you think of a Universal 20 years ago. 
again, I, you know, go look at BioReconstruct's Twitter. You can see the aerials of this park. This is theming of the top level that hasn't been done. If you think about Galaxy's Edge level theming, if you like that, this is an entire park that I would say even goes further than that in certain areas because of some of the interactive elements. And that is really where you're at. I think we've talked enough about it. And I think that's going to do it for this show. Joe, where can people find you when they're not listening to this fine podcast? Well, I don't normally talk about this podcast, but you can find me podcasting about Disney at Disney Deciphered, where we did not do an episode on this. So, you know, but yes, so that's Disney Deciphered anywhere you find podcasts. You can also find me at As Joe Flies all over social media. And if you're looking to book a trip, Disney, Universal, Viking, I'll get your money back. Joseph Chung at TravelMation.net with an M. What about you, Sean? Is that a guarantee that you'll get our money back, Joe? No, only... (laughs) I, I guarantee that I will do my best to get you your money back. Yes. All right. You can find me at Miles to Memories all over social media. We have our, for this podcast, mtmpodcast.com. If you like the show, please consider leaving us a review. A five-star review helps us out, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And for everything we do, post podcasts and videos, milestomemories.com. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time. See ya. See ya.